Well, hello again, and good evening, 5th Platoon. I am your Senior Drill Sergeant and host, Drill Sergeant Cotton Hill of the 69th Infantry Battalion, 420th Infantry Training Brigade. Tonight, we will address the following topics that you, my followers, have brought to me. All right, so again, you got to remember if it echoes or like you hear creaking the 5th Platoon Bay studio is, of course, my luxurious one-bedroom apartment in the hood. All right. And on top of that, I'm sitting in my uh, sports chair as usual, relaxing in the dead of night to address you, my followers, and the people who listen to this. Shockingly, there's a lot of you that actually listen to this. Quite a few events have happened this week. So... We'll address those as they come about. We actually have a lot of topics to cover. All right. So I know that I'm a little late to the game in terms of uh, releasing the podcast. I just had a lot of shit going on. Like uh, we'll go over the paper and, you know, RM and all this sort of things. Um, so to begin, someone asked me about PMI for soft skills. All right. So... The question originally was like how it's important for soft skills to know how to understand PMI. What that stands for is preliminary marksmanship instruction. All right. So trigger pull, breathing, sight picture, body position, you know, all that stuff like that. Now, according to the new RM, which I do not agree with like at all, the old RM worked fine. All right. And some people will argue with me about that. I don't give a shit. All right. But... When it comes to PMI for soft skills, what the soft skills ultimately forget is is that they are still soldiers. You still have to qualify. You still have to do all the soldierly tasks. All right. So, you know, if you can have an MMTC in your unit, right, like those people are who you want to come down and train your units before you go out to the range. An MMTC is a master marksmanship trainer. All right, the C stands for course. We just call them MMTCs in the infantry. All right, um, but yeah, you know, the big things are the fundamentals. My, the thing that gets most people, and this is not, you know, like with the new RM, they go, oh, breathing and fucking, you know, trigger pull, that's not important. I, I call 100% bullshit. And the reason for that is, is for three years, all right, and I've done, you know, six cycles of RM, which is roughly around six weeks. All right. So around 36 weeks of, you know, of my career have been dedicated to nothing but RM and watching. Like, I'm not one of those drill sergeants that sits in the fucking ammo shack or dicks around on their phone while people are on the firing line. If you come to my lane, I am watching you consistently every single fucking iteration i'm calling out targets i'm telling you where to aim i'm helping you adjust for point of aim point of impact all right and the biggest things that get people are trigger pull and breathing all right now according to the new rm from what i've been told all right listen i'm gonna say this all right if i'm wrong i'm wrong i've proven that this week all right but from what the mmtcs have told me breathing and trigger pull are not that big of a deal and I say bullshit because if you trigger pull, that's when you jerk rounds, you know, which is acceptable two for 10 um, 
you know, zero, because we don't zero with five anymore if you aren't tracking that. It's 10 rounds now to zero, all right? Um, and on top of that, breathing. So how that works is when you breathe, right, you should be completely void of air in your chest, right? And then you have your nose to the charging handle looking at this, you know, at the zero target, right, or any target. Have it, you know, where you want to, you know, dead center on that zero target. Breathe in. And on that natural exhale, it's a slow pull, right? Like you should like be making a, like a, a hook with your finger, right? It's not a jerk because when you jerk, that's when you jerk the round and it goes left or right. All right. Up and down is breathing. Left and right is trigger pull. All right. And you should hear a metallic click on that end. It's called a good follow through. Like, so... One, two, three, one, two, three, exhale out, click, and then you should hear another metallic click. All right, don't feel rushed when you do this. And I'm explaining this to the people who are soft skills. All right, your body should be in line with the rifle. All right, it should be snug into your shoulder. I, you know, they do the whole cheek thing where you like roll your cheek into the buttstock and whatever. What that does, and you can argue with me, like there's billions of different people who are going to argue about rifle marksmanship as somebody who has maintained a 36 average for years, an entire platoon of 60 human beings, an average, average, average of 36, right? I'm telling you, nose to the charging handle, it doesn't change your sight picture and it keeps your sight picture in the same place all the fucking time. All right. Same Sight picture. Sight picture is what fucking throws it off from where, like, you'll see people, like, zero up at the top left. So then you'll change them. And then all of a sudden they're on the fucking right. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. But the thing is, what you notice is that they keep changing up their fucking sight picture. All right. And I know I'm bouncing around. So big one's breathing. All right. So we'll start from the top for you PMI people. And then we'll go into the importance of it. Like, we got a shit ton of topics. I'm probably going to be talking for another two hours. Uh... (laughs) Your morning commute or whatever the fuck you're doing, cleaning or whatever is about to get really, really interesting. Um, so breathing, breathe in, breathe out on the natural exhale. That's when you pull the trigger slow. It should shock, you know, it should, should surprise you. You'll hear the metallic click and then that's when you know you've had a good follow through. So boom and then click and that's good. Notice to the charging handle for good sight picture. All right, whether that's iron sight, CCO, ACOG's a little uh, different because it's a telescopic lens. All right, you have to adjust to where, you know, the reticle isn't like completely have a black ring around it. All right, I'm not a fan of ACOG's. All right, um, we'll go into optics next. All right, it's going to be a really long episode. Fuck me. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, body position. So keep in line with the rifle. You know, put it on the sandbag if you want to have your hand under the rifle, if you want to put your hand on top of the rifle. Maintain consistency. Do not hold the rifle by the fucking magazine. Please do not do that. And another thing is, is that when you put the magazine into the weapon, ensure that it is completely up into the rifle. Do not, and people, again, will argue with me about this, the most effective way to load your rifle to where that the magazine is not, you know, a cunt hair lower um, than it needs to be and it won't load right is ensure that your bolt is locked to the rear. 
If your bolt is locked to the rear, you can sit the magazine perfectly into the weapon. All right. And then you just go from there. Breathe in, breathe out. It should be a woo-saw moment on the range. You should enjoy. You shouldn't be stressed. When I am teaching RM on the range, I am not yelling at them. Now, if they're doing retarded-ass shit, like trying to flag me or, you know, jerking the trigger, I will scream at you if you jerk the trigger. That is one of my biggest pet peeves, all right? But rolling back full circle. Uh, you know what's funny is I only say for full circle in podcasts. I don't use that in real life. Um Rolling back full circle for PMI, for soft skills. It is important for you to understand how to effectively engage the enemy. All right? You should. You should want to be an expert at your craft. This whole fucking, like, I hear companies, you know, like, they're like, yeah, our average is like 26 to 27 at, like, Jackson and shit. I'm like, that is fucking sad. Like, I train people, you know, every cycle to get 35 to 36 on average, right? It's not hard. Shooting is not hard. Like, you know, marksmanship is not a hard concept. The problem is, is that people don't know how to teach it right. And then you have people who like go to these extra classes or watch videos. And like, this is what I tell the privates as soon as they come in. I don't give a fuck if your grandpa was a sniper or, you know, your dad was a you know great hunter. It's like, there's a difference in how we shoot today and like how we engage transitional targetry. All right. And you have to listen to your drill sergeants, okay? And the reason why I posted, you know, shoot him in the dick, you know, uh, 25 meter right, right where the rank is, is because it's proven consistently for targetry that we're engaged with. Now, I got into a debacle with one of the MMTC instructors who, like, I have great respect for him, all right? Like... I've been so stressed and so, like, people come at me all the time, you know, when I'm like, dude, I run a charity, I do all these things, I'm trying to teach people, like, what's your fucking problem, and it wasn't anything on him, it was me lashing out, which is why I took a step back, all right, and I formally apologized to that individual as well, I did, I, you know, messaged him, I was like, I'm wrong, you know, because, like, I was told that MMCC got disbanded, uh, multiple times, like multiple, multiple times people are, but they're not, they're not disbanded. Um, and he clarified that for me very tactfully <clears throat> and prof- professionally. Um, and I appreciate that. Like he came to me offline like a leader, talked to me, and that's why I made my public apology about that. Now, we have varying differences on what we believe, you know, rifle marksmanship does. And that's what leaders do. They, you know, everybody's going to have a difference of opinion on what it is. Um, you know, and that's the big thing is, is like, you know, everybody has their own method to the madness and you have to fucking use what works for you. All right. So the reason why I say aim for the dick, and this is to help the soft skills, by the way, because I teach this to infantrymen. The reason why I say aim for the dick for every target besides 25 meter right is because of the EPR rounds trajectory path, which is what I showed with that graph, right? And some people are like, oh, it's less than an inch. I'm like, yes, by this graph, but in reality, it's different, all right? And I've seen it and I've done it and like I've done the old holds and I tried doing the old holds and like we had good average, you know? But I noticed that for a consistent hit in the in the grand part of the torso was aiming for the dick, whereas where the target meets the berm, all right? 
And that is how, you know, because of the flight path of the EPR round, you have to adjust to that round, right? The ballistics of it. Now, if it was the old green tip, yeah, fucking do all the old holds. We're not using the green tips anymore. All right. And, um, you know, as for me making a public apology, here's something that you young leaders need to understand is, is that it's not a weakness to admit when you're wrong. And a lot of leaders see it that way. They're like, well, then I lose face. It's like you lose more face by not admitting you're wrong. That's the problem is because your pride of holding a rank or time and service, you know, you think that you need to be right all the time. And they're like, well, it just shows like that you're not a strong leader. I'm like, no, it shows that you have the ability to go, okay, with new found evidence, I'm the wrong one and I'm going to adjust my thought process to that situation, right? And that is one of the major issues that we find is, is that leaders don't have the ability to go, oh, I never saw it that way. Or, oh, that's, you know, something that, you know, is new and I should try to implement and see the benefits of it, you know? Because we always hear this, that's how we've always done it, right? And that's the wrong answer. It's like, well, you don't consistently play N64, do you? Well, no, I play Xbox, the new Xbox. It's like, okay. But with that mentality, you're, 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 with your thought process, you're doing the same thing. Is, is that you're so fixated on this N64 mentality when we have new and improved shit, right? That will enable us to enjoy life more, right? Or be more lethal, Okay. So it is important for soft skills to know how to engage the target because World War II, there was a dentist who earned the Medal of Honor because, you know, he had to man uh, a 50 caliber machine gun or was it a medium machine? I can't remember. But either way, a dentist earned the Medal of Honor, okay, for being overrun. And, you know, even with Vietnam, with FOBs and like, you know, Outpost being overrun or like Afghanistan with, you know post being overrun or insider threats or anything like that, it is important for you to defend yourself because if you don't know, then you're, you know, you could be in a situation where you're dead, you're dead, 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 you know? And that's something to take away is like, we've gotten into this whole transitional of like, oh, they're just pogues or da, 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 excuse me for a second. My fridge was acting up, <laughs> you know? Duh hood. But um you know, you gotta you got to um you gotta be proficient in your soldier t- level ten tasks. Alright? And that's what's important is your life. It is you're a soldier first, right? You went to basic training, basic combat training, you learned how to engage the enemy, you learned how to do battle drill one, or not battle drill one, excuse me. You learned how to um effectively buddy team, you know, down the lane. And that is your primary thing, is to be a soldier, all right? Revert back to that, all right? And that's a long discussion about PMI. Holy fuck, and we got so many other topics. Um, when it comes to... Oh, I can actually just roll into the... I actually talked about that one already. All right, um, so the paper. The paper that I wrote, okay? So the warrant officer paper. Listen, I wrote that on a nine-hour binge, okay? Like... I just had a wild hair up my ass and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to crank this bitch out. I've been talking about it for months. Let me just throw out this idea that I've had in my brain. Right. And it was just a joke 
more or less. Like, it was half serious, half joke, okay? Like, I wrote it in an unprofessional manner. I put it in a memo format to make people laugh. I put the 69th Infantry Battalion, 420th Infantry Training Brigade, and I put the shop at's fucking address as a joke. And they're throwing it around MCO like it's a fucking thesis paper. I'm like, no, that's not what it was for. But it was to put the idea of what I was thinking into the minds of people who could potentially make changes. That's the whole point of like my page as well is, is like, yes, I'm making funny memes. Yes, you know, people laugh at them. But at the same time, it's one of the we've talked about this before where it's like raising awareness, you know, it's like, oh, I never thought of that. Or that's something that's a serious issue, you know, like. I make memes to raise mental health awareness and you consistently like them. And they're the same memes, right? It's the same thing with my paper. Is is like, was it kind of hurtful? They're like, this is fucking retorted. It's like, yeah, it kind of hurt. I was like, I think it's a fucking solid idea. If you've read the three page fucking proposal, you're like, wow, uh, it's very cut and dry and not a lot of information. Like I made an 11 page proposal outlined everything yeah it was a rant they profession <laughs> they tactfully told me that oh it sounded more like a rant than a paper duh that's the whole thing about it is is that it was a rant it was to show what we actually need inside the infantry not some grandiose idea of like oh well you know like the infantry paper for the cav and the tankers that works. That, that makes sense. Is because their entire life is suited around a vehicle. The infantry is not. As much as Bradley and Stryker fucking units would love to believe, the Stryker, don't know if you know this, is a half-track from World War II. And that is supposed to mean you're lightning infantry. Get in, get out, and that is your job. Right? But people use them as tanks and defilate them and, like, all that shit. It's like, it's a speedy vehicle that you fucking drop dismounted infantry to be light infantry and then get the fuck out of there. But people have turned uh, Bradley and Stryker people into these like almost tanker dismount weird fucking situation. All right. And I'm going off track, but with my warrant officer paper, I've had people come to me. What's funny is, is like these people up at the top are like, Oh, this is a shit paper. And then I have colonels and first sergeants and sergeant first classes and all these other fucking people come to me and be like, this is a really solid idea, you know? And I've, like, I'm like, well, first of all, I was joking. Like, I didn't think to be taken. Like, in the paper, I literally said, nobody is going to take this seriously because nobody is going to listen to a staff sergeant. And I was honest. Like, I was like, I fucking know my place in the military. It's a fucking... You know, it's a hierarchy. It's a pecking order. Like, I never understood this. I, maybe it's because of old school mentalities from back in the day. You know, I'm a staff sergeant with 10 years in, but the dude who's fresh out of college with an officer rank is immediately thought to be the most intelligent human being above me because I'm just dirty enlisted, right? Yet it's also my job as a squad leader or platoon sergeant to develop said officer. So it's kind of a weird, you know, situation. But like... I was like, huh, because I had somebody come to me and be like, if you just rewrite this and make this super professional and add sources and stuff like that, 
you, this would actually be worthy to be, you know, submitted to, you know, the NCO journal or to uh, the other agency that they mentioned. And I'm like, you know, for someone to go out of their way to message me as long as they did, uh, if you listen to my podcast, Mr. <laughs> person that messaged me, your uh, your messages were very, very direct and very dry. And I was like, oh, that was very professional of you. Uh, I'm glad that you have a sense of humor and that you follow my page. But, um, you know, I didn't think of it in that aspect. I didn't take it seriously. Like, I wrote it in nine hours. Like, I was like, boop, 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 boop. This is pretty damn good. Like, I've written books. Like, I've written fucking, well, five solid the two other ones are more of tech, like more like technical manual sort of a thing, like more of like uh, handbooks, sort of speak. But those took me years, years and years and years of compiling different manuals and putting them in order and then writing them out, right? With this paper, I was just like, fuck it. And people, <laughs> I was like, and it's not the fact of like it was a fuck it idea. It was just like a fuck it, let's do this. And, you know... I've had a lot of people go, this makes sense. Like, this is a really, really solid idea and like how you presented it, right? I didn't present in a professional format and that's on me. And I wasn't trying to present it in a professional format. I have a professional format that I could write it in, but I didn't do that. I just was just like, whatever. Someone's going to read this and go, that's a great idea or that's a shit idea. But the, the thought of the matter is, is that it got implanted into people's minds as an idea to where if they have the power and the time, <coughs> they can actually develop, expand, and make it better, right? That was the whole thing, which is why, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to make it an open source project for people to work on. And then once it's done, try to submit it. I don't have the time between running the charities, the outreach, making memes, Making drill sergeant products, which is what I'm really focusing in on, it was a castaway project, all right? And that's really what it was, is it was like, this is something that is so above my pay grade that nobody's going to take this fucking seriously. And I didn't put my heart and soul into it, which is why I'm telling you, all right? It hurt for people to call me dumb, because I'm like, I'm not dumb. I'm, okay, out of the entire infantry, right, enlisted infantry... I am actively engaged, right, between making people laugh and trying to better the army, right? And that's what I'm saying is, is that I'm actively trying to make it better, whether that's mentally or, you know, institutionally or just, you know, to make connections, like people to talk and converse or, you know, share ideas. And unlike other pages, who I'm not going to name, you know, who do investigations and poke fun at higher leaders and stuff. I don't do any of that. I don't need to. There's other pages that, you know, are willing to put their careers on the line. That's not what my page is about. My page, like I've mentioned it before, my page is purely to educate and make people laugh and help them with their mental health. It's a big one. All right. So when it comes to the paper, you know, I appreciate all the messages. Like, I'm not going to say what people said. But I appreciate for the support of you. Like, this is a really great idea. And I, you know, I think it's a great idea too. I think, you know, if it could be implemented, it'd be great. It's the same thing with my, you know, uh, proficiency exam, you know. But again, 
nobody wants to look down at a staff sergeant and go, wow, that's a great idea. No, they want to look to some colonel or general and be like, that's a great job, sir. You know, I will never be recognized at all ever for the intellectual, you know, capabilities that I can bring to the table. I will never be respected in my field of craft because I'm enlisted. And I have accepted that for many, many, many years. I have accepted since I was a specialist asking platoon sergeants, first sergeants to teach me that I am not going to be taken seriously ever as a soldier. All right. Unless you've got like a silver star or a medal of honor or you know a ranger tab or something of that nature, I will not be taken seriously. And that's okay. You know, I, like I do this job selflessly, you know, I produce products. I help people like the, the, I don't care is what I'm saying is, is like, I don't need your validation that I'm a good soldier. All right. I know I'm a good soldier purely because of the things people have told me, the amount of messages that I get per day saying how I've helped people or I've saved their life when they do say that to me, which is, you know, astronomical. Cause I'm like, dude, I just run a meme page and I'm, you know, trying to make you happy because I don't want you to suffer, is a huge thing to me. Having somebody, you know, tell me, hey, man, this is a great paper. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Someone tell me this is a Cool. Thanks for the insight, you know. You know, and I appreciate the people who gave me feedback. and like, this is what you can fix. I'm like, I have no real emotional, like, tie to this paper because, again, I won't be taken seriously. I'm a clown on a stage. I'm a jester to the fucking world, you know. And that's fine because once my 20 years hits, I'm done. The military is done. My uniform comes off and I just go back to being cotton. All right. I just go back to my normal, you know, self and the army can keep whatever systematic, you know, oppression of intelligence and infantry soldiers, whatever. I don't care. I'm trying to improve by placing in the minds of young leaders now that intelligence is essential. Okay, and this is going to be a fucking long podcast. I can already feel it. But you know what? It benefits all of you. So that's the big part. Um, Yeah. So, you know, if you think that you got me or like you hurt my feelings so bad, you didn't. You didn't hurt me. All right. Here, I'll I'll uh, I'll post to you this. You write a 12 page well-documented well-sourced, perfect scope and responsibility outline paper for the rest of the army. Otherwise, my paper stands as the longest running, most in-depth, you know, most explained responsibility paper for the infantry warning officer as a joke currently. So there's your, uh, there's your fucking challenge right there. Prove me wrong. Prove that I'm the big dumb dummy and that my idea is shit and come up with a better proposal. There you go. There's your, there's your fucking winning moment. Because as of right now, for this idea that they're posing for master gunners of the infantry to be warrant officers doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Like, unless they're going to accept a long list of responsibilities that I've laid out, <clears throat> then they're essentially an additional duty assignment, like I've said. 
And you can argue day and night about that, but I've explicitly explained how it's an additional duty comparable to that of a drill sergeant. All right. So that's my wrap up. <clears throat> to end on, you know, the paper and my idea of the infantry warrant officer, you do with it what you want. I don't care. I've got other shit I've got to do. All right. I've got people to talk to, memes to make, papers to write for the drill sergeants, a handbook that I'm writing for the drill sergeants. That's a new development. I'm just letting you know. Uh, I already have the outline. It's going to be free because I don't really give a shit to make any profit off of it. What it is is that <clears throat> while the uh, while the infantry, not the infantry, my bad, while the drill sergeant academy is absolute dog shit at teaching you how to be a drill sergeant, I will assume that responsibility as a leader and write you a well-thought-out handbook on how to be an effective infantry drill sergeant on Sand Hill. All right? From duty weeks to your left and right limits of, like, what you can and can't do. The first 72. I've already made a fucking first 72 checklist. Holy shit. Something that's not been made. People are so concerned with regulations and whatnot that they don't take the time to, to get down to the nitty-gritty of what actually needs to be done. Now, I have to pause it real quick, and I'm sorry for coughing. Uh, I don't know why. But um, uh, I'm going to roll over into the next segment, and then we'll fucking... Uh, keep going down the list of shit that I need. Like, I've got, like, fucking 14 things. Like I said, this is going to be a long-ass podcast. All right, so to tackle one last thing about that infantry warrant officer paper. So I'm going to make it an open source to those that want to contribute, by the way. Um, someone was actually very serious about helping me publish it. So I want to... I'm trying to gather people to edit it, add shit, you know, all that stuff. And then once it's good, good, quote unquote, then have somebody review it and then see if we can publish it. I don't care to take credit for it, honestly. I'm trying to make this a community idea. Um, so that way, you know, someone could take credit for it. I don't really care. Like, it was an idea that had simmered in my brain for years but, like, not something that I, I can, I don't care to fucking do. Like, if you want to make me the first infantry warrant officer, that'd be really cool. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, it's going to be an open source project. So, I put it in the stories. If you want to uh, contribute, send me a message about, like, what you do in the Army, your rank, and then, like, you know, I don't give a shit what your MOS is. You know, intelligence is, like, not you know, stay within the infantry, all right? So if you want to, like, you know, edit it or rewrite it for, you know, the platoon, by all fucking means, please do that, all right? Um, so, yeah. And then to cover on my handbook that I was saying about, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to write an infantry uh, drill sergeant fucking um, handbook on how to be an effective infantry drill sergeant on Sand Hill, all right? Because it's a on-the-job learning experience, and that is, you know, um, not okay, all right? I don't want anybody to walk in and be like, what the fuck am I doing? Because that's what effectively happens. I'm guessing 
since the birth of the drill sergeant because there's no real fucking like when you go to the academy there's no this is what you learn at the academy you learn how to memorize a whole bunch of shit you'll never say again maybe at jackson but on fort benning no nobody does the top three like it's stupid why would you give radio instructions to a private they barely know how to tie their shoes all right and then you just go through pogue basic training like that's the academy and that's like i could have done this from home like the best way the academy did it was during covid when it was all online good for you that's the best way that you could have fucking done that um but you know again nobody's gonna fucking listen to me because i'm just a staff sausage so i'll put out products and people use them people do use them it's crazy uh there's a couple platoons out in the force uh, between airborne units, light infantry, I think one striker unit, and I think a couple Bradley units who are testing out that 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 um, quantitative counseling and or the proficiency exam. So I'm just waiting on to hear from them about all that shit. All right. Uh, another thing to add, um, like I said, I got a list of shit we got to talk about. So, cold weather gear. So, I've already made a meme about it. Uh, let's put it this way. The Equix system, the extreme cold weather system. Uh, I don't understand why fucking leaders don't use that shit. Like, listen, we're not 10, okay? We're not fucking children who are wearing shorts, all right, with tennis shoes going, oh, you're not a man. No, that's not, like, that's not okay. If soldiers are laying in trenches or in foxholes and you're in the GP medium and you have a heater and, like, they're freezing their dicks off, like, it builds resilience. No, it builds hypothermia. And on top of that, they already hate their fucking life. You make astronomically way more money than they do. Like, to you basic privates, like, to privates, like, you know, uh, E1 through E3, I'm going to let you know some. I make four times as much as you do. Now imagine how much a first sergeant makes or a command sergeant major. It's a shit ton. All right. So it's fucking astronomical bullshit when, you know, soldiers are fucking freezing their ass off because their leadership's like, no cold weather gear. Why? They're in a static position. Now, if you're on patrol, you can't wear that shit because you'll heat cat. I've seen it. I've seen people heat cat in the wintertime from wearing snivel gear because they were like, no, it's fucking cold. It's like, yeah, but your body warms up when you're on patrol. And then when you come back, that's why you switch out your t-shirt and you put on your fucking, you know, cold weather gear so you warm up. By the way, the marshmallow suit is the greatest thing that's ever been invented. I love that fucking thing. The fleece jacket, on the other hand, you look like a GAE gay fucking Paddington bear. You are literally a walking definition of a fucking pogue. All right? Like, stop wearing that shit. All right? And you're not... Just stop wearing that, please. Okay? Like, I have one... Actually, I have a couple. I have my ACU one, I think, still. Oh, sorry, UCP. And then I have my fucking RFI one, okay? And, like, uh, not even in the house do I wear that shit. And it's not, like, a pride situation. It's just like, ah. Don't do that. Anyway, um, yeah, leaders, don't be dumb, all right? It's like, you need heat like you need sleep, like, you need heat, like, you need water, like, you need heat, like, you need fucking, you know, something 
pivotal to survive, okay? So stop denying your soldiers the ability to keep themselves alive, all right? And I say this from somebody who survived negative 20, all right, with just wearing his fucking UCPs until the first sergeant got locked up by the sergeant major and fucking our mortars platoon got, um, what was it? Not hypothermia. Well, they did get hypothermia, but they also got fucking pneumonia as well. All right. So lesson learned, fucking let them wear their shit if they're in a static position. All right. Um, so another thing someone brought up was asking me about a COB board. So I'll, I'll make a post about it. So a COB board is like what we have in basic training where you put in first call, first formation, and then all the way up to the end of the day. All right. And COB boards are fucking phenomenal. And like, they don't use them in striker rad units. And I don't get it. Light infantry units, they use them, right? If they're good, if they still do. I don't know. I've been off the line for three years. But a COB board effectively is like, hey, 06, 0630, first call, first formation. All right. And then you have PT. And then at 09 through 12 is your one infantry related task of the day. All right. So the day prior in the afternoon, right, while the fucking Joes are at the gym, right, the team leaders will pitch the squad leaders how they're going to teach that class. And then the squad leaders validate them for the next day. Right. Unless the squad leader wants to teach the class. Right. Which then, you know, I'm not I would I never made fucking squad leaders fucking validate to me. They're squad leaders. But I would sit in, you know, uh, if they said something wrong, I would add something. I wouldn't be like, hey, you're fucking wrong. It's like, so anyway, hey, sorry, uh, t- cover this topic. All right. Um, but what it does is that from zero nine to 12, you have your one infantry related task, whether that's, you know, fucking machine gun theory or how to load a fucking radio or you know battle drill one or something of that nature right and then in the afternoon right if we don't have to do um online training which is fucking bullshit like what i do is is that i tell the platoon i'm like hey if you're a team leader go buy a fucking cat card reader and then fucking get your guys through fucking send me the certs you know, so that way we have them all for our fucking platoon binder. And if fucking first sergeant comes down, I can just print it off for coffee. All right. Um, if that's none, I just send them to the gym. All right. Because PT is great. It's maintaining. That's what that's what fucking regular PRT does is that it maintains. It doesn't really improve. All right. But the gym does. All right. And I'm about to blow some people's fucking minds. All right. Well, everybody else, right, for some odd reason, think that you can run five days a week. That is preposterous, all right? You can't run five days effectively without fucking... It's kind of like revving the engine consistently. Like, you're going to blow out your transmission, all right? You have to offset like a fucking, you know, couch to 5K. So Monday, Wednesday, Fridays are fucking run days. And then Tuesday, Thursdays, you're about to get your fucking mind blown. Jim. All right, so if you can't get into the gym, push up setup drill, and then in the afternoon, go to the gym. All right, because it offsets those muscle groups so they can do that thing called recover. I'm blowing fucking minds right now. And some people who are fucking, uh, you know, trained in sports medicine are like, please, finally, someone fucking said it. All right, and my workout plan that I'll eventually fucking post um, into the share drive for drill sergeants. And soldiers who want to improve their overall quality of life, uh, we'll see, 
is, you know, I try to do it so that way I have, and usually I average, what was my average back then? That was during the APFT before the ACFT came in. It was around 265, 270, right? Because, you know, running, you know, has to be taken in stride. So people love to fuck down infantry squads or platoons. Like, we're going for a fucking five to ten mile. It's like, how about you do two, right? And then Wednesday you do, you know, 6120s. And then you do fucking on Friday, you do a fucking long run, right? So for the weekend, it's like, all right, I'm good. You know, you can enjoy that long run, like a yog, like a nice yog of like eight to nine minute pace. Unless you want to do a free, you know, a, a release run, which is perfectly fine. All right. Um, but back to the COB board. So the COB board keeps accountability. All right. And I say this to the day I fucking die, there is no reason no fucking reason, especially in light infantry, to keep the entire platoon past 1,600. Yeah, there's no reason. None at all. None. Anything that needs to be done can be done tomorrow. All right? We have all morning and we have all afternoon. Fucking cut the dudes at fucking, you know, because some dudes got to go pick up their kids from the fucking daycare. Or they have other shit that they have to get done. Right? And that's perfectly fine. You know? It's taking care of your soldiers. Just because you have to be there and you hate your wife and you hate your kids doesn't mean that you need to make everybody else suffer. All right. And how I would do this was I would offset squads. So what would happen is, is that the days of the week, because, you know, they're odd usually, is at the beginning of the week, one squad leader would pull from a hat and see who, which squad would start Monday and then they would fall into suit. Right. And it can never be sequential. Like, not every Monday, you know, if, you know, first squad was that squad last week, then, it, you know, you had to choose a different squad. All right. So it'd be like, all right, everybody gets to go home besides first squad. Everybody gets to go home besides second squad for one to two hours after work in case something came down. And then until 1700, it was, hey, hang out in your barracks room, play video games. If you're a squad leader, 15 minute recall. All right. Because I don't need everybody there. Like, you got to take care of your dudes or they're going to, like, when I left Hood, I remember them just screaming. They're like, there goes the greatest platoon sergeant in front of my replacement. And I felt so bad, even though that dude was, like, such a fucking cocksucker. All right? He was just like, I'm like, they don't like you because they had the dude who literally wrote everything out for them to do for the day. And another way to do this is on that COB board. So you had the timeline. And then under each squad, I wrote out like, okay, so like if it was like, hey, we got to do fucking med pros, right? So I put med pros in red for like, hey, today, get your fucking med pros done. And then if it was like, you know, AT level one or something of that nature, then, you know, you fucking, you know, you did that, you know, as a like a pretty urgent sort of a thing in blue. So that was written in blue. And then if it was like, you know, something routine, like, hey, we got to do a TA-50 layout by Friday that was in green. And then, like, so every day, it would either move up a color or it would, you know, be fucking done. But if you could knock out the red and the, if you can knock out the blue, then you were done for the day. All right. But, like, you got to remember that these things compile. So I'd look at my squads and I'd just be like, hey, man, like, first squad got everything done. Why the fuck didn't you get everything done? you know, sort of thing. So it gave me like a, a really good quantitative measure of like who is putting boot to ass. Um, and like, 
I'll, I'll draw up a diagram of how the COP board should look, okay? And it worked. It worked. Dudes, because if you give soldiers a task and a purpose, they'll get it done quick if they know they can get off earlier, right? And the other platoon sergeants were mad at me because they're like, oh, like, why are your dudes not here? Da, 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 da. I'm like, well, they've already done everything that they need to do for the day. Like, yeah, but, like, did they clean their weapons? It's like, yeah, they did that immediately, pretty much. They got it done, and I checked them, and I had squad leaders check them, and, you know, they're good. But people don't like efficiency in this job. They like fucking dicking everybody down, and I don't understand it. All right? So that's what a COB board is and why, like, a 1600 release, you know, for the whole platoon is feasible. Uh, especially, I, if I can pull it off in striker world, you can pull it off in light infantry world. Like, what do you got to do? Go fucking look at the max pro or fucking go kick the tires on the trailer like ooh, all right like it's not hard it's not a fucking hard existence people just make shit hard for no reason all right and i've gotten asked shoot by the fucking first one like why are your dudes not here like you know i don't understand i'm like because they're look at the rest of the fucking company they're playing on their phones waiting for the word i'm not gonna do that i'm not going to keep people here for no fucking reason. There's no reason why my fucking platoon should be sitting in the company, uh, you know, you know, or in the off post rooms, you know, jerking each other off, waiting for the word to go home. And it's like, hey, man, do you live on post? Yeah, I live two minutes away. All right, go hang out with your kids. If I need you, I'll give you a call. Crazy thing. It's called a group chat, right? I had a group chat with the squad leaders. Squad leaders had a group chat with the team leaders. Team leaders had a group chat with the squad. It's crazy, right? So use that modern thing called technology there, fucking leaders. You know, use it to your advantage. And guess what? With fucking uh, WhatsApp and stuff, it has read receipts. So if someone reads it and then says they never got it, guess what? You can see if they fucking looked at it. It's crazy. Um, someone asked to explain the different types of infantry. All right, so... I'm not going to lie. I've never been in Brad world, so I'm not going to give you the best definition of it all, but I've been in light and I've been in striker world. Okay. I was a light infantryman for the majority of my career. And then I was fucking striker for three. All right. So with light infantry, you know, it's, you know, your feet take you everywhere. Um, it's a super duper pride thing. Um, it's way easier to deploy light infantry. That's why, like, 10th Mount or the 101st and the 82nd, you know, they were constantly rotating in and out, all right? Because you got to think, like, for mech and striker world, you got to fucking do railhead and all that stuff like that, all right? And then striker infantry is a lightning-fast infantry with the notion that you can move infantry soldiers effectively on the ground, you know, with a vehicle, right? Like, people forget, strikers are not heavily armored. Like, a fucking 50 cal round will easily go through, you know? You just put your rucks on the side for the hope that it's added protection. <laughs> um, or a birdcage. Uh, and then Bradley's, you know, they've got, you know, their fucking 25, 30 millimeter on top. I don't, like I said, I'm not Brad, you know. Um... But, you know, they're more of like a, a mech infantry where they can like, you know, they have a little bit of armor and, you know, armament, but they, you know, are able to dismount into urban operations and, you know, effectively engage. Okay. And it was just a, you know, it's just a armored personnel carrier for the infantry. Um, 
Well, as the striker is just like, get them there, drop them off and get the fuck out of there, you know? Uh, and light infantry is just, you know, on your feet, don't have to worry about vehicles. You know, the only vehicles you have to worry about are your feet, you know, sort of a situation. Like, I, it, again, it's 2.20 in the fucking morning. Am I going to give you the, the by-the-book definition of, like, every single different type of infantry? No. Because then you also have lur, lurps, long-range reconnaissance patrols. You also have fucking airborne, which is used to drop behind enemy lines. And then you also have fucking air assault, which is there to, you know, do insertions. And then you also have fucking scout platoons, right? And battalion scouts and brigade scout elements. And then, you know, fucking on and on and on, right? Like, I pretty much named them all off, but that's my whole point. Is like, you can get into the nitty gritty, but the major top three are, inf are light, striker, and mech. Right, and then you also have the the airborne infantry, right? Which, sorry to say, once you hit the ground, guess what you are? You're light infantry. All right, but they're airborne. They are. All right, I'll never take away from my sky soldiers. I love the sky soldiers. All right, eighty second dudes are fucking solid. Like the eighty second, the hundred first. I don't know how the hundred first is now. I've heard can you know mixed things. Uh, not shitting on anybody. I'm just saying like you know from different brigades and whatnot, but like. 101st, 82nd, and 10th Mountain, they always produce, like, solid, tactically sound human beings. And the reason is, is that in Stryker and Brad World, commanders are so worried about their vehicles rather than infantry training that you don't get the time to train dismount soldiers as well. And if you're in a certain unit in fucking Hood, uh, you're just a ragtag mercenary unit, but that's for another day. Um, what else? fucking why NCO should be officers. So here's the deal. And this is something that, you know, people have to realize between officers and fucking NCOs or enlisted soldiers. All right. If you want to do the cool guy stuff, like, you know, kicking doors or, you know, have a better chance of fucking making, you know, 18 series or, you know, doing just like, you know, guarding the tomb or something of that nature. You want to be enlisted, all right? Because that's your greatest opportunity to do the cool stuff that you have in your mind, all right? The officer is there for the planning and, you know, being the person in charge, like the platoon leader, all right? Like, how I simplify it is if you want to do cool guy stuff, then fucking be enlisted. If you want to, you know, earn accolades and earn medals and badges and stuff like that, go officer, all right? Now, don't get me wrong, there are enlisted people with pipeline careers who get to go, like, airborne, air assault, fucking, you know, EIB, ranger, you know, like, I've seen it, and I have friends who are that way, you know? They had pipeline careers because of, like, how it all lined up. And uh, kind of like what I said with recruiting and, like, uh, you know, when you join the infantry, is, is like, if you have somebody... If you have somebody that you know, or if you have a son or a daughter who want to go infantry, get them an airborne slot. Like that is in today's modern army, you know, because the war is over, you need to put them into airborne units where they can thrive to be better. All right. Because going to a mech or on the off chance of going to the 101st or 10th mountain uh, light infantry is rare right? Like there's more mech and striker units than there are light infantry units. And 
with that being said, airborne opens up opportunities where you're already airborne. So like, if you're like, fuck this, I'll just go back to Bragg. Or if I want to go to Vicenza, Italy, or go to, you know, the better part of Alaska, then you have those opportunities to do that. Right. Uh, or if you want to play off four in Louisiana, all right, playing off four is not a bad thing. All right. It teaches you how an unconventional force will more than likely defeat a conventional force topic for another day. Um, or actually later on. So yeah, like if you have, if you have somebody who's trying to enlist into the infantry, try to get them an airborne slot. All right. It is the sure, surefire way to, uh, to success. Okay. If I had known that when I first enlisted, I would have fucking straight went it. Cause I like, like many of us were told, Oh, you'll get an airborne slot if you wanted it at basic or if you want to go rasp or 18. And it wasn't until a couple days ago that I learned that that whole slot system, like it does and it doesn't exist, right? Because of the amount of people that fail basic training who have RASP contracts or 18X contracts, there's no set guidelines to add or drop. From what the liaison told me, the direct liaison talked to me and was like, hey, just so you know, to pass to, you know, the drills of Sand Hill, there's no, you know quote-unquote list unless regiment or you know the 18 series say otherwise and i'm like holy shit and if you looked in the comment section people are like i've been lied to my entire career or i got lied to and this hits home from basic training all right um i don't know why i'm jumping back between officers and nco should be officers i must be out of it um but you know going going back to why NCOs should be officers. Listen, if you want to, uh, if you want to go officer, I mean, go officer. It's great, you know, route. Um, I've worked with many, what we call Mustangs, right? And on top of that, you get OE pay. That's fucking nice. Um, I was actually, you know, thinking about going officer for a while. Um, it's just, I get wrapped up in a whole bunch of stuff, but if you want to be recognized and treated as a human being and an adult, then the officer is the way to go. It doesn't matter until you get make like first sergeant or sergeant major. If you're enlisted, you're not going to be taken seriously. Like you will always be looked upon as less intelligent or, you know, so, and that's not true. Like I know platoon sergeants who have master's degrees and then I know, you know, platoon leaders or, you know, lieutenants that got like, a degree in underwater basket weaving, you know? And I've said this before, education does not equate to intelligence, and it doesn't. I'm not going to finish the rest of that quote because I'll piss some people off, but education does not equate to intelligence, all right? The ability to sit in a classroom and memorize shit, you know, you can measure that on certain scales, but, like, that's not a, a complete application of, like, your ability to, to be intelligent, all right? A good way to expand your intelligence is to read, have an open mind, and, um, you know, I'm going off on a tangent again, but with that being said, you know, if you want accolades and to be treated with respect and, you know, go into um, a branch, so to speak, or a core of individuals that are regarded as the leaders of the army, you know, then yeah, the officer course free. If you want to, you know, rough it out, do your 20 years in the enlisted, it takes a hard soul to do that. All right. It takes a, 
I I know friends who've done 10 years in listening are like, fuck this, I'm out. And it's sad because all the best NCOs, of, best soldiers and NCOs I've ever met get out, sadly. Um, I've talked about my first, one of my first squad leaders. He actually is about to retire, and I'm glad that he fucking, he needs to, okay? Um, so if you want to go officer, there's many different routes. There's the Green to Gold program. They have four-year green to gold. They have active duty option. So the active duty option, um, you fucking don't get to use um, the scholarship of ROTC, but you get your pay. This was what it explained to me. You get your pay, but you don't get your um, scholarship like ROTC does, right? You can use your GI benefits and stuff, but it mostly comes out of pocket, Um and then with the four-year green to gold, you know, ROTC scholarship, they pay for it, but you give up your enlisted rank and pay. So I've always heard go the active duty route, um, but that's a hard thing to swing by. And if you already have a degree, then you apply to OCS, and that's competitive to get into OCS as well. Um, but it is possible I have a soldier who's in a couple days who's going to become a commissioned infantry officer who was my soldier. <laughs> and he looks up to me and I saved his life a long, long time ago. Not in the sense of like suicide or depression, but in the sense like he was dying from a, uh, from a situation that was going on medically. But I'm pr- super proud of him. He's doing great. He's a great, he's going to be a great officer. Love that guy to death. Um, so yeah, so if you want to stay, if you if if you want to be hardworking and like be with the soldiers, stay in NCO. If you want to earn accolades and be respected and not treated like a secondary citizen, then go officer. All right. Uh, one of my one of my former soldiers said, "Talk more about Sun Tzu and Eastern tactics." So I'll kind of jump into that, but I need to uh, roll into the next segment. And then we'll we'll get into that, all right? Okay, so someone said, or one of my former soldiers said, talk more about Sun Tzu and Eastern tactics. Okay, so the greatest way that I can explain Eastern and Sun Tzu tactics is this. Is, it was greatly explained by John H. Pooley uh, in his book, Phantom Warrior. Uh, and uh, I didn't read The Rising Sun. He also wrote another book. It's a great book. Uh, Phantom Warrior is a great book to understanding Eastern tactics. Um, so how are adversaries in Korea, Vietnam, and uh, Japan fought is a completely different style of warfare than what we fight. So we fight with the notion of like an American football team and that everybody in that you know, in that formation has a specific duty, like, you know, the center hikes the ball and then provides coverage on, you know, the uh, the two and the one hole uh, for the quarterback. And then, you know, the quarterback's primary mission is to fucking, you know, guide the offense and like, you know, either pass, run or hand off the football and so on and so forth. And with Eastern style tactics, it's much like a soccer pitch where they have positions, but it's not set in stone. They're very decentralized, right? And how we see retreat is dishonorable, right? We don't even say retreat in the United States Army. What we say is uh, retrograde, right? Which is a, <laughs> is a fucking grandiose term for retreat. 
All right, retrograde operations. You just say retreat, all right? Like, just say what you really mean. But yeah, like, they don't see it as retreat. What they do see it as is to live to fight another day. So if they are outnumbered, right? Like, we, I mean, we have a battle drill called Break Contact, but, you know, people are like, die in place, die with honor, you know? It's like, well, you know, you could just fucking realize that there's a superior force and then use that intel and report it back, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, how they fight is through deception. So if you read the art of war, you know, reading the art of war as a, you know, civilian is kind of hard to conceptualize if you don't understand military tactics. You know, I always laugh when I think about the art of war, because when I think about the art of war, I think of Paris Hilton on the basketball court reading the art of war. I'm like, can she read? (laughs) I know that's very, uh mean to say but at the same time I'm like why is this woman reading the art of war not in the sense that she's a woman but in the sense of like holy shit Paris Hilton's reading the art of war um so how that works is is like okay in Vietnam what they would do is they would engage with like a company and if they had dead they would pull them into the to the to the spider holes and to the tunnel system to hide their numbers so it would demoralize American soldiers when they would scour the area not knowing about the Ho Chi Minh Trail, which ran from North Vietnam, Vietnam all the way through South Vietnam and into Cambodia at some times. Uh, McAfee Sog covers uh, the Ho Chi Minh Trail pretty well. Um, it's a book by Major Flaster. If I said his last name wrong, I apologize. Um, but yeah, so theirs is all about the art of deception. Appear weak so that your enemy becomes strong. So their big things that they would do is, is like, they would transmit over the radio like, oh, man, the Americans just murked the fuck out of us, right? And they would do that because when you tell somebody that they're doing a good job, what are they less likely to do? They're less likely to change up their tactics, right? So, and, you know, we saw the same thing in World War II. It just never translated over to Vietnam, right? So, like, the Marines on Iwo Jima landed on the beach, no fire for like 30 minutes, right? Until they started taking mortar rounds and artillery from Mount Suribachi. And there's actually accounts of they would say there would be a soldier on the cliffside and then they would disappear into the cliffside, like, you know, like vanish, right? Through different tunnel systems. Because as they found out after the war, there was, I don't know if it was 200 kilometers or 200 miles of underground tunnel systems linking the pillboxes on Iwo Jima, right? And that's how they fight. And like, if you look at modern day reports, North Korea has tunneled out that entire fucking country. And what it does is that it masks movement of maneuver. Not movement of maneuver. It masks the movement of troops and being able to, you know, effectively maneuver into position. All right. Um, and so how we fight is we think of it as a force on force sort of a thing, unless it's Afghanistan or Iraq, which was very unconventional uh, in the sense that you, you have to realize the differences, okay? So excuse me while I move my chair so that I can explain this just a little bit better. I was sitting where my foot was falling asleep. So with us, it's a very clear cut and dry American football team, right? where it's a one force on this side, one force on this side. And, you know, that works like, okay, like we saw that in World War One, and we saw that in World War Two. except with, with World War Two, we started the adoption of commando units such as the SAS, uh, Desert Rats, uh, OSS, you know, all these other, you know, 
uh, unconventional experts, right? Which, you know, helped win the war. Uh, but at the same time, we like steamrolled through Africa, we went through Italy, we went through Europe, right? Using conventional on conventional tactics, right? But it took us a fuck ton longer to make it through the Pacific Theater because of the different style of tactics that they were using, right? Because, you know, they fight from, you know, concealed positions and we fight more in the open, so to speak, right? Because our minds as conventional infantry and conventional soldiers um, is, you know, placed that way. And that's what we're taught with, you know, our, our qualification ranges or, you know, uh, just like how, you know, buddy team live fire, you know, bounding between positions and whatnot. All right. And then with unconventional tactics, you know, uh, the best way to describe it is Red Dawn, right? Or insurgencies, really. Uh, an insurgent, you know, in the most, you know, layman terms is an individual who lives in that country who's fighting the quote unquote oppressors. All right. So with unconventional warfare, you know, it's just it's a different style. It's, you know, it's how to effectively undermine a conventional force. And, you know, there's many people who will say that, you know, a decentralized, asymmetrical, you know, unconventional force will always defeat a conventional force. And you have to think of it in these aspects. And I'm going into depth about this. So because someone asked me this question and, you know, wanted to hear my perspective is that, okay, so we go to a country, we have to abide by shaving standards, soldierly standards, being away from home, you know, worrying about your girlfriend or wife cheating on you, you know, just an ultimate shit show, just military regulations and stuff. While on the other side of it with an unconventional guerrilla, you know, sort of a thing is that, they get to live at their house, they get paid a certain amount of money, hey, shoot this machine gun or RPG or whatever fucking weapon system, and then go back, right? And, you know, that's why is because they, yeah, they're under stress, but they're not under military stress, right? And, you know, the logistical stress, really. And that's why insurgencies beat out conventional forces, right? Is because it's just the waiting game of like how long and why like an American insurgency, if anybody was to invade us, would just murk the fuck out of people, which is why they do it through the informational, educational fucking realm of influence rather than just directly attacking the homeland because that would just be asinine to invade the United States with the insurgency that we would possess. All right. Fucking Billy Bob down South is fucking looking for a reason to, you know, Go shoot, go shoot in the fucking Red Dawn situation. But that's why since the 1950s, you know, Russia, you know, openly was like, uh, we're not going to be able to invade the United States. So we're just going to influence their people in other ways to, you know, undermine their nuclear family, you know, fucking ideologies. Again, it's fucking three in the morning. But um, yeah, so clear cut and dry sort of a thing, conventional American football team, unconventional soccer team. And then, you know, <laughs> guerrilla warfighters are just fucking fans in the stands, like fucking throwing, you know, rocks at the players on the field, you know? Uh, 
And if you want a great, um, a great example of the three fucking playing into part with each other, Vietnam, you had the fucking Eastern style with the NVA, the North Vietnamese Army. You had the conventional with the United States Army, and then you had the uh, unconven or sorry, with the NVA you had Eastern style. With us, you had the conventional, and with unconventional, you had the fucking Viet Cong. All right, so it's a great like if you just look at the different fucking players in there, it's a it's a unique study. All right, and I'm sure there's different styles. You know, uh, I just mainly focus on what has been presented more over the last you know hundred odd years, right? And the development. All right, so. With that being said, you as an infantry soldier who's conventional, you have to understand um, the different types of warfare that you you might be facing, you know, because if, you know, what had happened in Vietnam was people were ultimately demoralized, one, because the home front wasn't on their side, two, nobody really knew what the fuck they were doing there, you know, like, it was to stop the spread of communism, but go, go research a little deeper. And then on top of that, you know, they're facing an enemy who doesn't fight to their rules. So, like I explained in my infantry warrant officer paper, if you have somebody sit down and go, hey, this is what you're facing, this is what you need to look out for, it makes it that much more like, oh, okay, so... You know, they're more prone to using fucking tunnel systems and, you know, and we even saw that in Forrest Gump where the, you know, fucking is like, Gump, check, fucking check this hole, you know, shit like that. That was one of the tunnel systems. Um, and he played it in fucking, you know, Black Ops. So, you know, I'm like I say, I go off on tangents, but it's to educate you. This is to really, really educate you and to make you more aware of the potential that you're facing. Um, so one of the last key notes to hit is, is with un, with not unconventional, with Eastern style tactics, which the Russians have done a great job adopting all three, really. Um, because with Eastern style tactics, they train the individual soldier to different, you know, to different, like, so, all right. What's a great way of explaining this? So the Marine Corps, like, you have your rifleman, and then you have your machine gunner, right? And then the Army, an infantryman can be, you know, a machine gunner, a rifleman, you know, sort of a thing. And that's kind of like how they operate. So our, you know, while we have specialized, you know, um, snipers and all this stuff like that, they incorporate that kind of training to their everyday soldiers, so that way, because of number systems and stuff like that, they can be an all-around, you know, developed kind of a soldier. All right? And uh, so they're specialized soldiers is really what it is. They're specialized infantry soldiers. Like, what was it? It was during World War II, the Japanese literally thought Americans were night blind, meaning they were blind at night to their sappers and stuff because they had been trained to use shadows and how to use, how to, um, manipulate their, their natural night vision to help them with night operations. Right. So like 
their sappers were so well disciplined that they would move less than a meter an hour. And there's literally accounts by Marines that said it looked like the trees were moving close. And what they would do is because they know how our patrol bases operate, they would throw satchel charges or concussion grenades or something to keep the American forces up at night. So because they knew we operated during the day and then when we would go on patrol, they would ambush us. Right. So that's why like they're trained, they're so heavily trained, uh, individuals. All right. And why I, you know, try to push fucking proficiency and knowledge and everybody's like, no, fucking knowing my job, please, God, no. And it's like, well, you know, maybe you want to fucking live, you know? And like, it's, that was metaphorically me shoving information into your fucking dome pieces. Um, so yeah, so that really a broad, <laughs> uh, long but broad understanding of like Sun Tzu's Art of War and like Eastern style tactics. Um, like I said, some great, you know, study material is Phantom Warrior, uh, Militant Tactics, <sighs> what is it, The Dragon's Way, um, go research fucking Vietnam, Vietnam's a great fucking way to learn about all three of them working in the same fucking, uh, area of operations. All right. Um, <laughs> well, so someone asked me the lack of public common sense. All right. So over the last 30 years, common sense has taken a nosedive in terms of like what is acceptable or like what, you know, just to simple things. Right. And really what that is, is, is that, you know, it's the natural decline of reading and expanding one's own mind, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I have my, you know, big dumb dummy moments like I had this week. Um, but it's the fact of people taking things at face value rather than actually expanding their uh, own intellectual capabilities. And by that, I mean this. So when I was a kid... Me and my uncle, my uncle is a very famous geneticist, by the way, uh, very, very intelligent human being, like, at, like, holy shit, right? And so we're walking, and you're going to laugh at this story. So we're walking down this path, and he goes, I, I said to him, I said, I said, hey, Uncle John, did you know that, um, you know that Judge Judy is the most watched television show in America? And he stops dead in his tracks on this trail. And looks at me and goes, he goes, Cotton, where the fuck did you hear that? And he goes, and I go, oh, well, the TV told me. He goes, why don't you do your own independent research and see if that's actually true? And I was 15 years old at the time. And it stuck with me because the way that I grew up, right, I grew up in a system where it is not an educational system. It's a you will learn by shame and you know and like i again i don't like being political at all but here's the deal is is that i'm a moderate i've always been a moderate and let me explain to you this sort of thing so i grew up in a very socialist liberal system all right and how that works is is that if you have any sort of right-leaning ideologies you fucking you are immediately um ostracized immediately 
right? They call you a Nazi or they call you, you know, in, inhuman or something of that nature, right? Because our teachers do the same thing. So how the education system there works is you, they go, and this is how they do this to children. This is happening with children, right? Where they're just like, oh, the news would never lie to you. And we would never lie to you because they use that authoritative figure to do that to kids, right? Rather than expand the, own, the, the mind of why, you know, with the Socratic method, um, they, they shove information into kids and then it becomes, oh, well, if an adult or someone of authority fucking tells me this, then it must be fucking true, right? So I'll give you an example in the simplistic terms, okay? So what they effectively do is... They go, wouldn't candy for breakfast be amazing, right? And to a child, yeah, that sounds fucking phenomenal, right? Like candy for breakfast, fuck yeah, you know? But they don't tell them the health detriments, what it does to their teeth, you know, how that's not sustainable for a diet, so on, so on, so on, so on, so on, right? It's the same way with today's society where these kids, if they're not, you know, actively searching for the answers are being peddled these ideologies against their own wills where they're being told no this is the right answer you need to understand this and so they lack the the common sense to think outside the box that um abstract thought process right because they're being told a thousand things and being told that certain things are wrong even though they may not be you know it may not align with that community it might be right in this community you see what i'm saying like and like I'm trying to keep this as nonpartisan as possible. Like I have family that is right and I have family that is left and then there's me in the middle who makes decisive ideas on my own terms. Like my my bet my general thing is like if it's not hurting anybody, you know, like fucking like it's horrifically hurting anybody or like something of that nature then like okay, like I try to find the rationale in something. But Kids nowadays don't have or are not enabled to go like, well, I don't, you know, this doesn't feel right to me. So let me go do my own research. Like research of an own mindset has been so fucking um, villainized or, you know, like it's looked down upon for you to search for outside sources because if, you know, professor or teacher or adult says so, then it must be the fucking truth. When it's like, I have Google in my fucking hands. Like, I can prove you wrong in five seconds, right? And that and that's the thing, is, is like, kids these days have the, the, the modern-day Library of Alexandria in their fucking hands, but it's used for porn and TikTok, or my fucking Instagram page. Um, and that's a problem, because rather than taking the fucking five seconds to counter argument something they don't do that and that's that's the problem with today's society is is that there's such a constant flow of information where everybody jumps into their own echo chamber an echo chamber is where you're with people who are like-minded and so you say the like-minded thing it's essentially the same thing as i was saying when i was growing up right that they don't try to look at both sides and then come to a middle ground. That's what I'm saying is like, if you're going like, that's how common sense is formed is being able to see from both sides of the perspective, have an abstract thought 
and then coming together to form this moderate sort of conclusion. Now, I'm not saying I'm right. And some people will, you know, they have their, uh, what we call in the military, an iceberg belief, right? And that's fine. Like, if you want to have your iceberg belief, have your iceberg belief. I'm not here to change your fucking, you know, your beliefs and, you know, religion or God or what you think is pro-life, pro-choice. I don't give a shit. That's on your personal fucking behalf. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to teach you a way to enhance your common sense, to enhance your intellectual ability to understand things. And that is being able to go into a side that you don't agree with, looking at what they have to say, and then, you know, using yours and then coming to a moderate conclusion of going like, okay, well... I may not agree with their fucking ideas, but this is their evidence, and then here's my evidence, and oh shit, mine's not fully right, and then I have the ability to, you know, come to a moderate conclusion, you know? Um, It's just that everybody is so preoccupied with being right, or, you know, um, being, yeah, pretty much being right in today's modern age, that nobody has the ability to sit down for a civil discourse, and that's a huge issue, and that's what I try to bring to my page is, is like, people say shit all the time that I don't agree with, but I approach them, except for this last week, I said I was sorry, because I was just under a lot of stress. Um, I try to come with respect, and I don't curse, I don't call them names, I don't, you know, try to be a dick. It's kind of like with the misogynist who was going off on a tangent, and I was providing sources, historical references, stuff like that. And then he started calling me names. And that's when you know somebody's lost in an argument, by the way, is when they start calling you names. To effectively win a debate, and I'm saying this right now for anybody who's listening, to effectively win a debate is to take their strong topics and show them as weaknesses, all right? And that and that's not a hard thing to do, right? But if you're making shit up, then you'll be found out, all right? So what's a, I'm trying to think, like, what's a... We'll, we'll use my infantry warrant officer paper just as, you know, as a situation. In that paper, right, everybody's always concerned about the warrant officer overstepping the NCO core and then overstepping the officer core. But if you noticed in my paper, I provided a pathway to where they don't overstep their bounds and they fucking complement the NCO and officer corps. Where there's been this long-held ideology for the infantry warrant officer that they're going to overstep their bounds into either of their realms. Whether that's NCOs being the trainers or officers being the fucking planners. And it's like, well, no. The infantry warrant officer helps the NCOs by giving being their subject matter expert but letting them train the soldiers. And then when it comes to planning, it's like, no, they're just there as a facilitator for enforcing standards and reporting back to the battalion commanders, right? And, you know, with that, it's like, oh, it's fucking logical. But people don't like logic, all right? So to bring back full circle that lack of public common sense, it's just the inability of our society. And it's been like this for 30 years. And why I left the West Coast was because the West Coast is just one gigantic echo chamber of great ideas that never are not realistic. All right. And it's the same thing with the East Coast too. All right. And then the South is just has their fucking ideologies of like, you know, the Bible, like, don't get me wrong. I'm Christian, but you have to find a middle ground to which people can try to, you know, or at least have civil discourse because 
you know, don't get me wrong. I have my iceberg about things and I'm not going to fucking tell you what they are because like, it's just, it doesn't fucking matter. But, you know, you, there has to be this, you know, and the ability for both sides to talk to each other again and have the ability to, you know, formulate your own opinion but that's not the America we live in. And that's not something unless you take it upon yourself to go, you know what, I'm going to go find the actual answer and form my own fucking opinion of things. Like, okay, I'm going to show you something that's going to blow your fucking mind. Kind of like my last episode with the existential crisis. All right. You can be both pro-choice and be pro-fucking-life. And I'll explain this, and you're about, I'm about to blow your mind, so take a second, take a step back and think about this, okay? You can be pro-life because it is killing something, okay? You can be pro-choice because if somebody gets raped and then has to have, you know, you know, like, I'm thinking about the child, Darren, like, they're now a reminder and might be treated horrifically by said mother who got raped and had to carry that child. Do you see where I'm coming from? Right? It's that because by the biological definition, life is at conception, right? So life is by conception. And with that, you're effectively murdering something for life. But at the same time, from the logical aspect of like, okay, this like, you can be, see where I'm coming from on that side? I'm not saying I'm pro-life or pro-choice. I'm saying, like, you have to be able to rationalize between two extremes and go, okay, what is, what is you know, the most logical common sense answer to this? You know, and formulating how you feel about the situation. And I'm not going to tell you whether I'm pro-life or pro-choice, all right? I'm just saying, as somebody who has the ability to analyze both sides, that's how you have to see it. Is is like, okay, I can understand why someone would be pro-life, but I'm pro-choice, or, or uh, I'm pro-choice and they're pro-life. You know, like I can understand, and that's where fucking civility and common sense come into play. But people don't have that. Okay, um, wow, that took up a lot of time, but well, fucking, I'm gonna roll into the next one. And then we'll talk about some other things. But I, I hope that that makes sense. And I'm not being political. And like I said, I'm not shitting on the left. I'm not shitting on the right. I'm just a very, like, this needs to make sense to my OCD brain. Okay? So I hope that kind of, like, helps you being like, I know I never really thought of it like that. So let me pause it, and then we'll roll on to the next one. Okay, so going on so someone brought up the topic of people getting shit on for being ambitious slash pt all right for being more you know searching for more pt to that i say fuck them all right i don't understand this inside the army where if you're ambitious you're immediately fucking ostracized for being you know i don't know weird or something you know of a negative connotation, you know, just because you're all fucking miserable, some of us actually do enjoy this job. It's crazy. And not all of us are in the special forces community, which is odd for me because everybody wants to be special forces. Yet, if they're conventional, they fucking are shitbags. Not all of them, but I'm saying like 
everybody aspires to be some sort of, you know, SF community type person or, you know, or soft community, excuse me. Yet to put in the effort to just be an amazing soldier, like they don't want to do it. And it makes no fucking sense to me at all. But yeah, like if you're ambitious, keep being fucking ambitious. And if people try to bring you down, fuck them. Because 99.9% of people that you ever meet in your entire fucking life, you will never see again. And that's coming from somebody who's met hundreds of thousands of people. And I'm not like joking on that estimation. I have. I've met hundreds of thousands of people. All right. Uh, (laughs) Mostly against my will. But uh, yeah, like be ambitious, do what you want to do, do what's going to make you fucking happy. That is the whole purpose of life as we've talked about. And you need to fucking ensure that you're happy. And like, if anybody's like, oh, I don't understand why you're reading books or like, why you want to learn the job so much, fuck them. Who cares? They don't matter because either they're going to get out, they're going to peek at fucking Sergeant or they're just like not going to fucking succeed. Who the fuck cares? Like, fuck them. All right. As far as PT, never heard anybody be against PT. I'm also in the infantry, but, like, if somebody is against people doing PT, uh, it's probably because they got a bad PT score. And, like, don't even fucking pay attention to them. Keep doing your fucking PT. Keep going on ruck marches. Keep, you know, do me the solid, though. Do not wear your IOTV or play carrier for runs. It is horrible for your fucking knees. Take that from somebody who (laughs) learned the hard way. All right. And actually, you know what? I'm going to add into this fucking podcast a little bit. So uh, there if you ever have knee problems. Right. Okay, As somebody who got told that he had degenerative knee disease and doesn't have a fucking knee problem now, uh, it's probably not degenerative knee disease or, you know, your uh, ACL or fucking MCL. Uh, What it is, is that it's your patella tendon. And what most people do is that they try to use like soothing techniques or rub their fucking patella tendon. That's not how that works. All right, and I tra- tell this to every fucking basic training class, and I show them how to do this. What it is is that it's your IT band. What your IT band is is that it's this long fucking thing that goes from your ass to your knee, right? So your ass muscle pulls on your knee muscle. It's a joke. But you need to get a foam roller and roll out the side of your legs. And if you've never foam rolled your IT band before, be prepared to be in tears. Uh, the first time that I did it, especially when I developed patella tendonitis, um is I was in tears, okay? So, like, if you're having knee problems or, like, your muscles are really sore, I'm telling you, fucking foam roller is the key. And that's how I keep most of my fucking lower body injury count to a minimum in my platoon is I teach them how to foam roll their legs because you got to remember, we had to lower the rucking standard for this new generation because they've never been outside. How do you think it is when they've never fucking ran before is that their IT bands are going to seize up, all right? So... As much as, like, you're like, that shit sounds gay, or, like, fuck yoga. Listen, yoga's fucking amazing, all right? And I had a yogi one time who fucking did this, like, chime bell thing. Like, I was existential as fuck. Like, I was on a new plane of existence. And, like, I wasn't... We didn't drink, we didn't smoke anything or anything like that. He just did something to where, like, our meditation technique was fucking amazing. I'm getting off track. But, yes, roll the IT band out, all right? Learn about it. Seriously, like, it will save your fucking knees. Especially you airborne cats who are like, my knees hurt. It's like, it's probably patella tendonitis. As most of you fucking people, light infantry and airborne types have. So roll your shit out and you won't have that issue. I haven't had problems in five years, knock on wood. Hold on. I don't know if you heard that. 
Um, but yeah, so fundamentals of being a leader, we've already talked about this, um, but I'll hit the key ones. Presence, being there for your soldiers, intelligence, physically fit, uh, competence, meaning like you know your job, all right? Those are the big ones. And decency, treating your soldiers with human decency, all right? Listen, you need to read the second stanza of the NCO Creed over and over and over again. Because as a private, when I was a private, I would read the second stanza of the NCO Creed and laugh, all right? Because I didn't know any NCOs besides like two that actually followed the NCO creed. We have a creed. You have to memorize it for the board. Yet nobody seems to fucking follow that motherfucker. Except for yours truly. Who takes it to heart? I will communicate consistently. My soldiers never leave them uninformed. I do it all the fucking time. Alright? And I try to. Alright? And like you should too. Alright? So that's how the fundamentals of being a good leader. Uh, getting to your first unit. Alright. So... Getting to your first unit, that was interesting for me. Um, but the big things is that show up in a fresh uniform, uh, be shaved, uh, unlike yours truly, who didn't, because he's a big dumb dummy. Uh, nice haircut, hold yourself high. Uh, every until they tell you to stop, parade rest, serve, you know, you know, sergeant, whatever, and just be the most upstanding that you can fucking be. All right, so. When you go to your first unit, it's not college, all right? It's your unit. You're probably going to go to a reception battalion. If you're going to Hood, uh, it's, it's literally a fucking shit show. Um, but you need to ensure that if you go home, make sure that you grab what you need, not what you want, all right? Like, if you... Like, if you need your Xbox, like you probably do, or your PlayStation, bring it with you. All right, buy a TV when you're fucking at the unit. All right, the big things that you really should focus in on are getting your driver's license if you didn't get it. Uh, me growing up in the backwoods, right, I didn't need a driver's license, and I didn't have one until I was 21. Yeah. So, <laughs> let's put it this way. It was a different time, all right? Uh, could get a lot of away with a lot being a sports star. Um I didn't openly admit to that. Anyway, you you know, getting a car is very important. Um, talking to your team leader about that sort of a situation. You should want to go to your unit absolutely um, knowing your job. All right. So that's why I ensure that my soldiers that I send out of OSIP know their job all the way up to staff sergeant. Okay. It's not hard. It really isn't. If you... And I hate to say this because I'm jerking myself off. There's not a drill sergeant like me. I'm sorry to say that. There's not. And if there is, I would love to meet that person who has spent the hours, hours compiling and making classes and fucking books. And all. And I would like to shake their hand because I'd be like, finally someone that I can relate to, you know. But I have yet to meet said person. All right. And many people who encounter me or my classes or anything that I've done are always like, holy fuck, you're intelligent. I'm like, yes, I know. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now, why don't you treat me with some fucking respect for once in my career? Um, but just when you get to your unit, try to be the best soldier that you can be. All right. 
find the quiet team leader or staff sergeant and try to pick their brains for everything that they have, all right? The ones who will talk to you and guide you are the ones that you want to go. All right. And you can buy manuals online these days. Like Amazon's a fucking great resource for a lot of military, you know, stuff. Um, such as ATP 3-21.8. All right. The Infantry Bible. Okay. You can buy it. There's a huge fucking version with nice pictures and shit like that. Like, you know, pop-up slides for us infantrymen. All right. So... Do what you got to do from there. Uh, company complacency. All right, so I faced this at Hood. All right, I came there supermoto from the light infantry unit, fucking, you know, going hard. And, you know, everybody, when I, when I first got there, and I know this is going to sound like a really sad story, so when I first got there, nobody wanted to learn anything. They did, but they didn't at the same time. They are just so burnt out from being at Hood. And, you know, as a junior leader, as a, you know, as a sergeant, I was, like, giving classes, trying to teach them cool shit, you know, fucking uh, how to, you know, fucking measure how many people went through a certain area, you know, with gate and, you know, gate size and footprint and, like, showing them different cool little techniques and stuff. It didn't work, you know, because, like, unless the unit itself motivates the soldiers, the soldiers are not going to be motivated, right? And that's just purely because of leadership taking care of things and as a junior leader or like as a squad leader like I didn't have really good influence on morale until I was a uh, platoon sergeant for a while all right that's when I was able to actually really really influence a heavy wave of human beings to where like they were actually excited to come to work and you know didn't think of it as work all right and uh the first, so when I first got to Hood, you know, all the soldiers would come up to me like, sorry, and I just want to fucking kill myself. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, after a year of being there, I was like, bro, get in fucking line. We all are right there with you, you know. And it's sad to say, because when I first got to Hood, I had a really good friend who, I, <laughs> he follows me, because uh, I'm cool. But, you know, he's like, dude, you got to stop that. You're going to fucking burn yourself out immediately and be really sad. And, like, we actually had a countdown clock. I was the longest lasting. But usually most people burnt out at Hood around four or five months. I lasted, like, I think seven, eight, nine, something like that. But, yeah, to improve company morale as a um, leader... Unless you're a platoon sergeant or the first sergeant, it's not going to happen. Um, you can directly influence the morale of your direct soldiers and subordinates and the people in your platoon by being a good person. But in the uplift of like community and brotherhood and stuff like that, or, you know, siblingness, you know, whatever you want to call it now, family, because we have females in the infantry now. Nothing against it. I've already discussed this. We already know this. Um... That's a higher level echelon that needs to take care of that, man. Like, I, I got nothing for you. I, As somebody who tried their fucking tiny ass heart out for an entire year and a half, two years, it's just be the fucking leader that you never had to the guys that work for you. And that's all I got for that one. Uh, does being proficient in infantry work matter for soft skills? Yeah, 100%. So you like we talked about earlier with the PMI skills, you are a soldier first and the best way. And, you know, as much as I make fun of it, <laughs> okay, because it's stupid, I, 
I'm gonna whoever fucking put in the design for the cab badge. Uh, wow, uh, that was a horrible design. Um, a, a fucking bayonet with a grenade, and especially the expert soldier badge. Like it's even worse. All right, like <laughs> I I don't get it. But anyway, um, you should know all of your ESB tasks. All right, and the nice thing is is that if you type in ESB. They have the lanes set up. Like they tell you exactly what you should know and you should know all of those lane criteria, um, such as, you know, disassemble, reassemble an M4, disassemble, reassemble an M249, uh, how to load a radio, how to fucking do a salute report, how to do land up. It's your basic 10 level task. You guys got the books and basic, it's your warrior skill level, all right? And you, like, sadly, if you have to buy it, you have to buy it, but like, I hate the warrior skill books because they read like radio instructions. Um, I get it. Like, you know, when I first, when you, this is something that the army needs to realize is like civilians don't read military manuals like military people have for like five to 10 years. All right. Same thing with the Ranger handbook. It's great. Like once you like understand the dynamic of the equation, but like before that you're like, the fuck am I reading? And I face, you know, I'm like, Travis, does it read like radio instructions? Like, yeah, Drew's hard. Like, I don't understand. I'm like, yeah, that's how it's built. Let me explain it to you. And then once they understand how, it, like, it's supposed to be read, they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Right? For an organization that, like, prides itself on, you know, catering to the lowest common denominator, a.k.a. the biggest retard, uh, they do a horrible job at that, too. All right? Um, yeah, so learn your ESB tasks. Okay, if you are a soft skill, learn the ESB tasks, right? And you should go for your ESB. You should want to be an expert soldier, all right? Um, but in terms of like, you know, fucking patrolling, I mean, that's up to you. Like, if you want to learn patrolling, the difference between a combat patrol and a recon patrol, ambushes, you know, raids and shit like that. I mean, like, unless you're going to reclass, I mean, sure, it'd be great knowledge to obtain, but like... As far as like how far you should really, really, really go into it, skill level one. Like master those and then think about expanding your knowledge through the ATP. All right. Um, it is important that you know that your 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 soldier skills. Um funniest thing. You know, it's weird, and I'm gonna say this now. I kind of blanked out all of all of my drill sergeant crazy funny stories not because like i'm you know pushing it off it's just like it's one of those things where you're like if you're in the moment you don't have time to reflect on those kind of things like once i'm done being a drill sergeant which is coming up soon thank god um in the next couple weeks so in the next couple weeks i should be able to reflect and tell you as one of the Drill sergeants who, you know, fucking, like, been here too long. Uh, the mass exodus of us here coming up soon. So, soon enough, I will be able to fucking, you know, explain everything and reflect on my funniest moments. Um, and then to final out <laughs> from 12 Bravo Actual, he was like, Explain, you know, what Marin strippers and, you know, fucking why the infantry has low IQ. That's coming from an engineer, all right? Someone from services and support, so I'm not going to take that seriously.
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love engineers. I'm just fucking with you. It's just every fucking time. Every time you fucking anything, you just always like the infantry is dumb. Da 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 da. I'm just like, thanks, man. Appreciate it. But to close it out, um, so I'm not gonna do the fake sponsors because I've been talking for fucking ever. Um, but. I will say this to those that participated in the fifth platoon, uh, Christmas in November. I truly, truly appreciate it. You are fucking angels who walk this earth. Uh, we raised around $2,000, around $2,000. All right. That's fucking $1,199 more than I thought we would. All right. Um, I like, am very, very grateful for you doing that for the children and for the vets. Okay. So, thank you for doing that. I wrapped, I'm wrapping it up. It's going to be open until the end of December. Uh, and then it officially closes out. But I've already changed my avatar and all that stuff like that. Um, as far as, you know, the biggest thing is, is that the mental health aspect that we've talked about. Okay. So, so far from what I've gathered from, you know, all my sources... We've effectively, as a platoon, have been able to help around 80 people. And you guys sharing my posts about one source and, you know, really, really being a great community of people, we've helped a lot of, a lot of people. The amount of messages that I get for people thanking me for talking about mental health or, you know, um, you know, not knowing that it was an option for one source or the MFLAC, who is one source on, on post, uh, is huge. Um, you know, it's big, you know, like we've saved around five people's lives that I know of. That's just people that I know of. Five people have came forward to me and been like, Hey, you, you know, by you pushing this, it saved my life. And I'm like, wow, you know, like that's huge. Um, I'm just a dude who, you know, does this in his spare time to bring awareness and happiness into the world that, you know, we live in, which is nothing but constant fucking misery, you know? And I say that when I look around, I'm just like, it's just nothing but misery all the fucking time. It's just like new variants of the COVID or, you know, this shit, you know, fucking leaving Afghanistan to burn and waste or, you know, whatever it is. I'm just trying to be that small sliver of happiness in the world that, you know, makes you smile, all right, or gives you an option to, like, be happy or to talk to me or put your thoughts out into the world or laugh or share my content or whatever the fuck it is, you know, build a community together as the filth platoon, all right? So it means a lot to me that you guys listen to me and that you trust me that, you know, I mean what I say, all right, and, you know, and I'm bringing this back around not in the sense of, like, you know, if I wasn't a man of my word in the sense of, like, me genuinely caring, um, I wouldn't have been able to openly admit to you, my followers, that I fucked up, right? I fucked up in the sense that I thought MMTC was closed, right? But, like I said in the comment section... I would rather fucking, I would rather, you know, like, be right in the fact that I was wrong, right? Like, I'd rather fucking admit I was wrong and be right in that aspect than sweep it under the rug 
and be wrong and then lose face with all of you because that's not a leader if I did that, right? A good leader admits when they're wrong and says, you know, hey, I fucked up. So I'm going to rectify it by publicly apologizing. And in doing so, you know, some of you probably lost a little face in me because out of the hundreds of posts and things that I've talked about and provided clear evidence, I took the words of drill sergeants who were MMTC qualified and, you know, I didn't go directly to the source, you know, and I fucked that up. And that's what I'm trying to say with your mental health is, is that I wouldn't lead you astray. I wouldn't fucking say things that I haven't seen done or, you know, recommended for, you know, which is why I push, you know, one source so hard and the NFLAC. All right. So know this is like, I'll always talk to you. Everybody in the platoon will always talk to you. You know, it's a community really, you know, I just facilitate it, you know, with the limited free time that I fucking possess. And I'm taking this week to work on drill sergeant projects um, and or enjoy life a little bit outside of this. Um, So yeah, I'll have to tell you the story one time later on uh, about people being mad at me about certain things. That's another topic for another day. But to wrap this up, always know this, that we're always here for you. And please, if you are suffering, go to my links in my bio. It'll say Linktree, just like the OnlyFans girls, all right? So you click on that, and it'll have a one-source link. So if you click on one source, all right, it'll enable you to talk to a, uh, a veteran, more or less, who will, you know, if you, t- you can talk to them on the phone, uh, or you can ask for counselings, all right? And it's 12 free counselings in a six-month session, all right, with a provider of your choice. All right, so within the immediate area, they will find you. It could you can request a male or a female, or if it doesn't matter, or what, if you want them to be a veteran, um, or if they specialize in veteran-related topics. Okay, and uh, it's free, and that's the big thing is that it's free, 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 free counseling. Okay, and it's good. It's really good. All right, like the. You, you have to fucking work your mind out, much like you work your body out for the military, all right? And how that is, is is that, you know, we always pride ourselves on being the most physically fit and fastest runners. But, you know, as soon as someone says that they're suffering or that they have a, an addiction problem, we immediately ostracize them. And I don't understand that is because we all have moments where we need to fucking take a knee and relax, all right? And this is those times where... You know, especially during COVID and like how the last fucking few years have been. If you need to talk to somebody, fucking make yourself mentally better. Because what is it, you know, is it stronger to lay in misery or is it stronger to pull yourself up and be a better person? All right. So nobody will ever judge you in my fucking platoon or on my page about you asking for help or seeking help. Okay. So always remember that is is like, we are here for you. And like, you've heard the stories, the success stories of people going, like people update me consistently about going to counseling and I'm happy. And I talk to them. I'm like, good. I'm so happy to hear that you're going to counseling and like talking to somebody. All right. This whole fucking mentality that going to counseling is somehow a negative connotation. It's like, bro, it's not medicinal counseling. It's just you venting to the fucking person. All right. If you want medicinal counseling, then you got to go to EBH. All right. But then that's a fucking whole story in itself. 
all right? But if you just need someone to talk to and, like, you know, see if you can fucking figure it out without medication first, then one source in the MFLAG. So the MFLAG also um, is an individual on post, and they're, they're usually, I think, battalion-based. Uh, don't quote me on that. But they're an extension of one source, but they're just on post. It's not medicinal counseling. And they'll work with you and talk to you and, like, actually, like, give you free counseling sessions as well. And they're for your families, too. You can bring your families. It's for service members, um, dependents. All right, so you have available resources. All right, you have me, you have the platoon, and you have one source and the MFLAC, okay? So I have been talking for fucking ever. It is fucking 3.28 in the morning. I got to do this at night because I live in the fucking hood in a one-bedroom apartment, and there's banging and kids screaming and cars zipping by and <laughs> gunshots. I'm kidding. Uh, no, that's actually a serious issue. But, uh, you know, I do this for all of you because I want you all to be happy. And I want you to fulfill your lives and be the people that you want to be and the soldiers that you want to be or the service members or the veterans or wherever the fuck you hold in your life. Is what it all boils down to is, is that I just want you to be happy. I don't ever want you to feel the horrible or see the horrible things that I have. And that's really, really what it is, is, is that I really am tired of losing friends, family, fellow soldiers, and all that, when it could have been an easy phone call, all right? And, you know, outside of this, the people who I've helped come back and talk to me about it, all right? It's astronomical. You, the feeling that, you know, that you trust me enough to where you can go and get help means a lot. All right. So I'm going to sign off. I got, I guess I'm going to go watch fucking the new Cowboy Bebop show. Uh, it's not bad. I don't mind it. But uh, anyways, I got to go fifth platoon, but I'm going to step away from the CQ desk. And, uh, you know, I'm always here and don't ever feel like you can't talk to somebody. All right. I'll always be here for you. Promise. All right.